0: Good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome to our service, especially if you're visiting with us this morning. We're grateful you're here. As was mentioned, Sean is out of town. He's in that big city called New York City, and if I got it right, I think he was preaching his lesson in Brooklyn this morning, which I'm amazed that there is a church in Brooklyn because that's a tough neighborhood. So he's already done his thing, but grateful that he had the opportunity to go to such a place and preach God's word. If anything is derived, you know, from the study of the Exodus, it is that God communicated to and he cared for his chosen people. But despite that communication and care, the people... Demonstrated a recurring lack of faith and trust. Now, God had foretold of the ten plagues that He placed upon Egypt. And the first three, the Israelites personally experienced the water turning to blood. Water everywhere, anywhere turned to blood. The country was plagued with the swarm of frogs on everything and everywhere, frogs everywhere. And then having small, nasty, pesty gnats just on everything, on you, all over you and everywhere. They experienced those first three plagues. But God held back on placing the remaining seven plagues upon the Israelites. However, they did have to do as God commanded, as God instructed them, to not be plagued by the final and tenth plague, and that was the death of every firstborn. They experienced the God-given miracle that drove the sea back by an overnight strong wind that divided the waters. And it enabled them all to cross the sea on dry ground between two unexplainable walls of water. And they in turn witnessed the sea come back over Pharaoh's army. And they saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. And God's word informs us that the experience of the sea crossing made the people both afraid and believe the Lord. So... How long do you think it would be before you'd forget something like these experiences? For the Israelites, it took only three days. They didn't find good water in that time frame, and subsequently they complained. And with that complaint, God made a statute and a rule. And he laid that rule out in Exodus chapter 15 and verse 26, but it started in verse 25 when he said that God tested them. And this is what he said there in verse 26, saying, If, if you diligently listen to the voice of your God and do that which is right in His eyes and give ear to His commandments, And keep all his statutes, God would not put any of the diseases that he put upon the Egyptians upon them. Now, God provided them with water following their complaining. And a little further down the trail, they complained once again about hunger. And again, God provided what they needed, and yet they continued to complain. It was one thing for the Israelites to stand by the Red Sea after they had crossed over and joyfully sing praise to the Lord. But it was quite something else for them to trust God and to heed His words in their daily wilderness walk. That raises a question for me. Are we any different Do we place any trust in God? Do we value God's instruction? Do we value his word? Have we come to give a true fear and respect to the Lord? You see, if anything else can be derived from the story of the Exodus is that life is a school. It's possible to win the battles, and yet lose the overall victory, which is what the original generation of Israelites did is they left the Red Sea, they made their way to Mount Sinai, but eventually they failed to enter the Promised Land. You see, they failed to realize that life is a pilgrimage that during which we must learn new lessons and fight new battles and where one can properly learn to live the best life and to win the battles of life. You see, the answer for them was contained there in that verse 26 of Exodus 15. Listen. Listen diligently to God's voice. In other words, listen to his communication. Do what is right in God's eyes, not one's own eyes. And keep his commandments. Keep them. Keep his commandments. Let them become habitual. Let them become who you are, What. You are. Now, uppermost in the minds of the Israelites, however, wasn't heeding God's word, but complaining. What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? And according to Jesus, these questions reveal an anxious heart, not a trusting heart. For Jesus taught, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. After God miraculously turned the bitter water to sweet, drinkable water, God instituted a law, a rule. The act of supplying the water was to show to the Israelites that God would always be their guide. And he would govern his people. But at that time, the Israelites did not have a true confidence in the Lord. This was also a trial, serving to trust their hearts and refine and to strengthen their faith. Now, a single day in the wilderness without water would be tolerable. Two days, would be difficult, but three days would be impossible, especially when you got children and animals in your company. And then to be disappointed by finding bitter water when you come to water, well, that only makes the situation worse. You see, God was testing the people, not because he didn't know their hearts, But but because they didn't know their hearts. The Apostle Paul, in closing his second letter to the Christians in Corinth, and he taught this to them and encouraged the Corinthians, and subsequently he's encouraged all Christians to do this: examine yourselves, to see that you are in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. See the Lord tested the Israelites then and He tests us now to encourage our spiritual growth and to bring out the best in us. If one trusts God, gives value to, and obeys his word, one will pass, and one will conclude the test, and they will grow. But if in unbelief or in ignorance, they complain, they disobey, or they disregard the Lord, They will fail the test and remain spiritually immature. And that leads us to this key scripture that I want us to read. Turn with me, if you will, to Numbers chapter 15, and we're going to read there verses 32 through 36. Numbers 15, starting with verse 32, and we'll read through verse 36. While the people of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. And those who found him gathering sticks brought him to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation. They put him in custody because it had not been clear what should be done to him. And the Lord said to Moses, the man shall be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. And all the congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him to death with stones as the Lord commanded Moses. Well, here we clearly see an example and a reminder to heed and to follow God's commandments instead of one's own heart. Let's continue on with reading there, starting in verse 37 through 41. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the people of Israel, and tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations, and to put a cord of blue on the tassel of each corner, and it shall be a tassel for you to look at, and remember all the commandments of the Lord, to do them. Not to follow after your own heart and your own eyes, which you are inclined to whore after. So you shall remember and do all the commandments and be holy to your God. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. You know, critics have a heyday with the Sabbath breakers' execution. And they love to evaluate this text. Now one such critic is a man named Dan Barker, and he has made it his life goal to discredit the Bible. In 1992, he published a book, and he titled it Losing Faith in Faith. And he wrote regarding this event, that because picking up sticks is inherently harmless, to execute, to execute a person for it is immoral. But, what can we learn from this story? Sometimes we see the reason behind a divine law, and sometimes we do not see the reason behind the divine law. But, as Job learned, we are in no place to question God's words. The critics should say, as Job said, I have uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. That should be our understanding. And our confession as well when we doubt God's words and commands if we don't understand them. In emphasizing the example of the Israelites in the wilderness, Paul told the Christians at Corinth, and he's also informed us with this, he said, these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did, meaning they, the Israelites. These things happened to them as an example but they were written down for our instruction. They are written, they are revealed, they are placed before us to be studied so that we'll do better than the Israelites did. Now the Israelites' example proves that we are accountable. For those of you that have been in the Hebrew class You saw that in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through about the first half of verse 3. And this is what it says there. Therefore, we, meaning Christians, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation let us continue and read on with Hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 through 31 Hebrews chapter 10 starting with verse 24 through 31 And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day, the day drawing near. For if we go on sinning deliberately, after receiving knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much more punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot, the Son of God, and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, and has disregarded or outraged the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. The Israelites, being led by Moses, did not know all that we know. They did not know about God's sacrifice on the cross to provide forgiveness. And yet they still faced severe consequences for their sins. Just like the Sabbath breaker in Numbers chapter 15, God had clearly revealed his commandments regarding the Holy Sabbath of the Lord. It was a day of solemn rest. If one could not go collect manna on that day, surely they would not be allowed to collect sticks. If we who have the complete revelation, if we do not give God's word any value, if we fail or forget, or either selectively or completely disregard any or all of God's teaching, what should we expect? The execution of the Sabbath-breaker was not, as any critic may claim, irresponsible, unreasonable, or immoral. It was perfectly just. Perfectly just, considering God's clearly given commands and instruction regarding the Sabbath in combination with all the experience that Israel had had up to that point. The account of the Sabbath breaker must stand as a reminder for us, much like those blue tassels that Israel were directed to adorn themselves with from that point on, to remind us of the value and the importance of following God's words. As God said concerning a rebellious sinner in Numbers chapter 15, verses 30 through 31. But the person who does not any or the person who does anything with a high hand, whether he is a native or a sojourner, reviles the Lord. And that person shall be cut off from among his people. Because, because He has despised the word of the Lord and has broken his commandment. That person shall be utterly cut off. His iniquity shall be on him. One could easily say, Rick, that statement applied to the people of the Old Covenant. But the reply of that kind misunderstands what is clarified to Christians In Romans chapter 11 and verse 22, which reads this. Note then the kindness and the severity of the Lord. Severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. Now, I titled this lesson, Sticks and Stones. Kind of reminds me of that children's rhyme that I remember hearing, and it was used as a defense against name-calling and verbal bullying. And the rhyme was, Sticks and Stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Yet God's words, God's words are not to be ignored nor are they to be put off by a simple rhyme. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 clearly teaches us, and man, if there's a verse that should stick in our mind, it's this one, that the word of God is living, that the word of God is active. It's sharper, sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing the division of soul and spirit. We get that? Can we see how fine that is? Division of the soul and spirit of joints and of marrow and discerning thoughts and intentions of the heart. There's another slice. The thoughts and intentions of the heart. This verse alone should motivate us to respect God's word, to treasure it, treasure it with all that we can muster, and devote ourselves to reading it, devote ourselves to studying it, devoting ourselves to make application of it. God does not change. And the statutes and the rules that he announced to the Israelites on the Exodus, guess what? They're still valid. And they're still applicable even to us today. And here they are. Diligently listen to God's word. Diligent. I like that word. But you've got to work at it. You've got to make application Make an effort. Diligently listen to God's voice. What is God's voice today? This is it. This is it for you and I. You can't spend, not spend time diligently doing this and expect to be able to just do the second one, which is to do what is right in God's eye. We have to live life his way. The way he wants us to live it. Not the world's way. And believe me, the world's way is, that's a strong magnet. And lastly, if you don't even do the first two, you can't even do the third one, which is to keep his commandments. They have to become a part of us. They have to become habitual. See, life is a school. Life is a school. The questions are this. Are we listening to the teacher? We have teachers in our midst. Ask them how important it is that their students listen to them as the teacher. If the children aren't listening, then they're not learning. So are we listening to the teacher? Are we learning? And applying what the teacher is teaching us for a richer, more rewarding life, both now and for eternity. Now, I recently read that we're losing ground as Christians. Christianity is losing. More people are saying they're not Christian than in the past. And I'll tell you what I think the reason for that is. People are finding that this, or determining, that this has no value. That's sad. That is sad. And part of the reason why they don't put any value in it is they don't know what it contains. They don't make an effort to know what's here. This is the teacher. We are the student. We must make an effort to find out what's in here and to make application in our life. Now, trust me, when we get to the point where we get turned on by it, you're going to see your life change in a more positive direction. You'll see things that you didn't see before and you will live a richer life, a fuller life. My friend, if you're here this morning and you've made little effort to know this, to diligently listen to God's Word, you can change that. But if you have and you understand and haven't accepted Jesus as your Savior, the Son of God, whose death was there for you to offer you salvation, then you can come forward right now. You can be baptized and put Christ on in baptism. And you can begin to know more about what this says. That's what we're all about here at Monta Vista, is to know God's word. But the application of it, well, that depends on your heart. That depends on your willingness to diligently make an effort to know God's word. If anything, I hope this lesson has shown you there's value right here. True value. And if you haven't seen it, please make the effort to find that value. If you are ready and want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, want you come forward as we, as we stand and sing.